Hallelujah. You know, there, there's people that you've been waiting for, for a miracle in your life. And you, you see people running and jumping for joy. And you think, oh, I would never do that. I don't do that in church. And the thing, the very thing that you end up criticizing is the very thing that would set you free. Yeah. The very thing that you just sit there and you just don't feel like you could ever do. But if you do it, God will bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And meanwhile, the, the world is jumping for joy over football and sports. We're jumping for joy for Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you. We love you, Lord, tonight. And we bless you and magnify you. Just tell the Lord how much you love him tonight. Just tell him how much you love him for setting you free, for forgiving you, for giving you new life. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord God. Father, we come to your word now. We come to feed on the word. We come to be taught the word. Father, we come to let the word just change our life. Praise the Lord. Brother, you got a song right here? Just seems like there's a song about ready to come on. Say yes, praise you, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. Your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes oh yeah oh yeah oh yes Lord. oh I'll say quiet in your presence we'll do that father we'll just obey you and however you move upon us we thank you lord we thank you for the word father we thank you for utterance in the holy ghost we thank you for lives changed tonight and father we thank you the holy ghost is always calling the shots here at family church father we love you we love these people and father we thank you that our lives will be changed lord we thank you this word will change us from the inside out Make us more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you just turn to one or two people. Tell them you're glad to see them here tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sure is good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's hard to just uh, get out of that, that, that praise. I mean, there's just such a wonderful presence of God in here tonight. Amen. You know, uh, uh, there's some people that will, will sit and there's some people that get in their minds and they'll criticize things like that. But do you know what heaven's going to be filled with? Stuff like you just saw. People are going to be filled with joy. They're going to jump for joy. They're going to run for joy. Hallelujah. If you got loved ones up there, that's what they're doing. Amen. And they're not ashamed. And they're not thinking it's weird. Amen. They love it. They know, oh my goodness, this is what God had for us all the time. The refreshings of the Lord that come to us. Amen. Even right down here on this earth, praise the Lord. Times of heaven on earth, praise God. If you have your Bibles tonight, if you want to open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we started a series on Wednesday nights called Developing Your Spirit Man or Developing the Inward Man. And over the last several weeks here at the church, both Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, I've been teaching on how to be led by the Spirit of God and and uh, we've been uh, teaching on the born-again nature on Sunday morning. We've been teaching on the fact that we are three-part nature. We are a spirit being. We have a soul. We live in a body. Amen. And we've been talking about how the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly. We started talking about the inward voice, the inward witness, the authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. We started talking about the peace that rules in our hearts and all the different ways that God speaks to us, how we hear His voice, how we obey His voice. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now we're just going to get into, we're going to get into a series of messages uh, about uh, you know, how to develop your spirit, man. Amen. How to be sensitive in your spirit. Amen. Because so many times, this, this world, this life, is, is, is feeding our mind, it's feeding our flesh, you know, all these stimulations of our, our flesh and our mind, when really it's our spirit, man, that matters. Oh, yeah. That's the nature that God cares about the most. Amen. Amen. It's that part of you that communicates with God's realm. Amen. Amen. We need to know how to communicate with God. We need to know how He communicates with us. Amen. Amen. So we're just talking about developing our spirit. And last week on Wednesday, uh, we talked about developing your spirit with the word of God. And we know this, that out of our three-part nature, we've got to make sure that our flesh and our mind don't gang up and and, uh, gang up against our spirit man. We need to make sure that our our mind is in line with the born-again nature in our spirit and allow that born-again spirit to have ascendancy over the carnal mind. Amen. We saw over there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded. Amen. Spirit uh, gaining the ascendancy over the carnal mind, the carnal mind being renewed with the word of God, and so that your, your, your mind is in line with the born again nature on the inside, then you'll have two of your three parts there ganging up on your flesh. Amen. So you can be led by the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit. 
Because walking in the Spirit just basically means there's a coalition between your mind and the, and the Holy Spirit and your spirit, right? But walking in the flesh would mean that your mind and your flesh have joined an alliance, so to speak, against your spirit, and you don't want that to happen at all. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to just talk about developing your spirit. Uh, tonight we're going to say, uh, call this message, Developing Your Spirit with Glory and Faith. Developing your spirit with glory and faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's so good to be here tonight. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Developing your spirit man. We need to make sure that our spirit man is a giant. Because if our flesh is a giant, if our mind is a giant, then God's not going to have his way in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's make sure that we're we're, uh, uh, investing into our spirit man first and foremost. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 here tonight. Or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3, and let's start in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, let's start in verse 14. Last week we saw that the way that you write upon the table of your heart is by speaking the word of God. Amen? The Bible never tells you to just open up the Bible and read it. The Bible says to speak the word of God, to declare the word of God. It says to meditate or to mutter or to repeat to yourself, right? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we saw that the word of God has to become real to us. It has to become alive to us. It's not just something that we just open the Bible and we do the old flop and drop method. You know, wherever we flop and drop the Bible, we just start reading and we read for a few minutes and call it dinner, you know, right? Because Jesus said over there in Matthew 4, In verse 4, he said, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. How many of you know that God, he knew his own word for all of eternity. However, he was sitting on potential for the entire eternal past, but nothing was created until it proceeded out of his mouth. The word of God is not something you just remember up here. It is like food. It's not meant for the eyes only. It's meant for the mouth. Amen. And what food is to your body, the Word of God is to your spirit. Amen. And you're going to have to develop your spirit with the Word of God, and it's going to have to be something you meditate on, and it becomes alive and active to you. You know? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're going to have to take a verse. You're going to have to take Psalm 3.6 and say, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves round about me and against me. You know, I will not be afraid. You're going to have to take, you know, Psalm 1-1 where it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who shall bring forth his fruit in his season. Hallelujah, there's a season coming to me. Hallelujah, there's a season. And I'm not going to wither. I'm not going to tire. I'm not going to expire. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Be not weary in well-doing, for we know that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Glory to God. God says you're going to reap. You're going to reap. You're going to reap. You know, and you got to just build that word into you. It's not just something you just sit there and read, but you do what I'm doing right now. You just speak that out, and you become your favorite preacher. You got to be the number one preacher in your life, so to speak. You that's know what right, I mean? That's right. Where you're just speaking that word and you're, you're taking those verses and you're making them life to you. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. That's Praise right. the Lord. I mean, you just, you just take Psalm 512 and you say, The Lord will bless the righteous with favor. He will encompass them as with a shield. God's going to surround me. He has surrounded me with his favor. His favor is upon me. His favor is within me. 
Hallelujah. Everywhere I go, favor follows me according to Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And you're going to have to get up off your couch. Oh, come on. Come on. Shut off the tube. And you're going to have to sit there or you can stand there, pace the floor, however you choose to do it. But you're just going to have to just preach to yourself a little bit. And use your own tongue to write upon the table of your own heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the next time an unexpected bill comes in, you say, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalm 55, 22. I will cast my burden upon the Lord and he will sustain me. He will pay for me. He will provide for me. Hallelujah. He will not suffer the righteous to be moved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I will dwell in safety all the days of my life. Psalm 4, 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makes me dwell in safety. I only dwell in safety. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 133, uh, whosoever shall hearken unto him shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Hallelujah. I just just go through these verses. You know, I'm, I'm constantly quoting them around here. Just to demonstrate how you take that word and make it a meal you got to take the word. It's not something you read on. It's something you feed on. Yes, you know, and that, what, what that'll do is that's, that, it'll get right down like the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, getting down to that place where soul and spirit meet. That's right. Amen. And bridge that gap. The only qualified bridge between soul and spirit is the word of God. Apart from the word, the mind will go unrenewed. It doesn't matter how born again you are. doesn't matter how spirit-filled you are. If the mind goes unrenewed, you will be disqualified in your life. That's right. Amen. That's right. So we got to have the word. Yes. We can't be people of prayer only. We have That's to be right. people of prayer and word. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 3 and let's talk about developing our spirit man with glory and faith. Hallelujah. What do we mean by that? Well, that's not just some lofty rhetoric we use. It has a real meaning, and it's going to be very practical. How many of you just enjoy a practical message? Something that's going to get right down to your life. It's going to come. How many of you know the Word of God's going to meet you right where you live? It's going to read your mail tonight. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Ephesians 3.14. And we know that Paul here, the apostle, he is praying for Christians. He's praying not only for the Ephesians, he's praying for you and I. Amen. And he says, for this cause, I bow my knees, or I pray unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Glory to God. Don't you know there's family up there in heaven waiting for us? Praise God. In verse 15, it says, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. Verse 16, that he would grant you, Christians, according to the riches of his glory, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit to the inner man, or to your spirit, that Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. Everyone say faith. Faith. And he goes on to say that you being rooted and grounded in love, and we'll stop reading right there. But notice up there in verse 16, he says that God would grant to you, to Christians, to born-again believers, now notice it's according to the riches of God's glory. How many of you know God's going to provide for you in his glory? Now, I'm not just going to throw a statement out there like that and, and we all sit there and we nod our head and we leave out of here and we say, yes, God's going to do something for me in his glory. 
What does that mean? What does it look like? What does that look like when I'm at home and I'm getting a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator and pulling, pouring my bowl of Cheerios? You know what I mean? What does that look like in my life? Praise the Lord, because we can't just say that. But we know that God has great things in store in his glory, right? But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, right? Colossians 1.27 says that the, the hope of glory, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory, amen. amen. So God's going to do something as long as we cooperate with his glory. Now, I have, to, I have to just tell you right now, it might not look very sensational, you know. I mean, you're, you're, you're thinking I'm going to teach on, on visions and, and miracles, but we're going to get right down there to the foundation of visions and miracles. Amen. Because everyone wants to have miracles, but they don't want to live right. Everyone wants miracles, but they don't want to live in the godly character that those things are built upon. Everyone wants the new, latest, and greatest revelation, but can we go home and can we... Work it right. Amen. So let's talk about some ways how we cooperate. What does it mean to, according to his riches in glory, so that means that I, if God's going to do this, this means that I must cooperate with that glory. I must be conducive to that glory. I can't resist or frustrate the glory of God. Because how many of you know the glory is on the inside of us? The glory of God is for us. Amen. But we've got to cooperate with it. And so many times people, they don't realize that their lifestyle is resisting the very glory, the, the, the glory of God. All of a sudden, their choices are resisting the glory of God. Their words are resisting the glory of God. Let's not resist the glory of God. Let's cooperate with it. I'm going to give you at least four things out of the word, just off the top of the service here. Things that will help you cooperate with God's glory. Because notice the blessings that he's talking about. The ability to be strengthened in your inward man is according to God's riches and glory. So if you want to be a spiritual giant, if you want to be strengthened, notice your spirit man can be strengthened. Even though you're born again, it still doesn't have all the strength it can possibly have. Notice there's more potential. Notice there's more increase to have. Notice the inward man, the spirit man, though it's created in the image of God, it still can be built up. See? See, we sometimes we think, well, we're born again. It's all in there. It's just everything's there. Therefore, it's already at its fullest potential. No, no, no. It must be strengthened. It must be developed. Last week, we talked about how to develop your spirit man with the word. All right? And, of course, this message will, will connect to that. But we're going to uh, look at some specific things. Go with me. Hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 3. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. And let's look at some things that help us cooperate with the glory of God. Why? Because when you cooperate with the glory of God, your inward man is strengthened. And when your inward man is strengthened, you're not going to be moved by what's going on in the world. You're not going to be moved by the gas prices. You're not going to be moved by the housing crisis. You're not going to be moved in, you know, by the unemployment numbers. You're not going to be moved by what's going on naturally if your spirit man is strengthened. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, it's people that when they've developed their spirit man, when an evil report tries to come against their life, they don't cower to it. They stand up to it. They say what Paul said. He said, I am ready and equal to all things through Christ Jesus who personally infuses strength into my life. Amen. I'm ready for and equal to anything. 
the Amplified says over there in uh, Philippians 4.13. He said, I am up to, I'm able to, I'm, I'm equal to anything that would come up against me. He said, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it because my spirit man is prepared. My spirit man's a champion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My, my spirit man has been working out. <laughs> and now it's become a force you don't want to mess with, right? Go to Proverbs chapter, let's go to chapter 19. And we're just going to take a little walk through the book of Proverbs. It gives us some ideas here of how to cooperate with the glory of God. And if we cooperate with the glory of God, our inward man is strengthened. Amen. Let's look at some of these things. Let's go to Proverbs 19. And let's look at verse 11. Oh, this is some good verses right here. Get ready to highlight and underline in your Bible. If, you, if you're so religious where you think you can't highlight or underline in your Bible, well, throw that Bible away. Get you one that you can underline in. Because get whatever it takes to build the Word into your life. Amen. Amen. Verse 11 says this, The discretion, the discretion, or the prudence, literally, if you have a marginal rendering there, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is, it is his glory to pass over a transgression. It adds glory to man to pass over a transgression. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Now, let's, let's go to, let the word go right to the place where we live, right? Amen. Whether it's in our home or in our workplaces or whatever. To pass over a transgression adds glory to your life. Hallelujah. What's that mean? Let it go. Let it go, right? According to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, above all these things, brethren, have fervent love amongst yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins, right? Love does not expose what people do wrong. Love does not confront what people are doing. You know what I mean? Doesn't judge them and criticize them and cast them down. And, you know, I say this, love just doesn't make you pay. Yeah. I like it. This, notice what this, this verse says. It says, the discretion of a man or a person with wisdom or of a good decision is a man that defers his anger. Now, I, have, uh, uh, I went to uh, college, of course. I had student loans and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, when you get out and you don't have a job yet or whatever, or however that's going, and you defer, you can have the opportunity to make a deferment or defer your school loans. And what that word deferment means, it means you don't have to pay right now. And that's the very uh, word that this verse is using. It says, a man of discretion defers his anger, even though someone might have provoked them, someone might even naturally deserve the way, you know, they have literally provoked your feelings, they have participated, they have wronged you, but you just decide to say, you know what, they qualify for a deferment today, I'm not going to make them pay. And when you don't make them pay, glory is added to you. Yes. Think about all the, all the times when we have a, a, an opportunity to defer our anger. To defer our anger. My goodness. Can I tell myself a little bit? I don't mind telling on myself. Uh-oh, my wife is shaking her head. You know. Now, how many of you know, if there's, if there, you married folks, you, you know this for sure, that if there's ever a temptation to uh, uh, have anger, it usually comes in your marriage relationship, right? Just in an opportunity that, because you're so close and, and uh, you, you get so, you know, uh, familiar with one another, sometimes you just think, well, you know, if I let my temper go, what's the worst that's going to happen? 
You know, you just, you just think, well, you know, I mean, sometimes your flesh and your mind will just try to make excuses for you, you know, because you're so familiar with one another. You know, uh, uh, yesterday, a good example, uh, uh, my wife and I, we were heading out, and uh, we had just gotten, I mean, not even a quarter mile down the road. Um, now, can I, can I tell this story? <laughs> I'm going to anyhow. <laughs> and we get, we get about a quarter mile down the road, and all of a sudden my wife goes, oh, I'm wearing the wrong sandals. And the man in me just says, who cares? But these are my brown ones. I need to wear my black ones. No, we're in a hurry. We're late already. We're going to keep on going. And my wife was, 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 was real patient. You definitely got a better grade in the test than I did. But all of a sudden, those feelings, you don't need that, so sandals. Those dark brown and black, does it really matter? They look black to me. And I'm going down the road, and I just know that if I don't turn around, not that my wife's going to make me pay, but I know the whole rest of my day, the Lord's going to be speaking in my heart, say, what, you couldn't do that for your wife? You couldn't turn around and take the extra 60 seconds to go back and get those pair of sandals. It would make her feel better. Yeah, God was talking to me the whole time. You knew it. She knew, she knew God was dealing with me. But every bit of my manness just was about ready to pop a cork. You know what I mean? And I mean, everything about you, you're just like, my goodness, does that matter? You know, everything in your flesh is just wants to say, what is wrong with you? That you have to get a different pair of sandals. Of course, I didn't say that. But I started acting, you know, a little bit grumpy. I don't know. Maybe I just felt more grumpy than I acted. Did, I did okay? I tell you what, I felt on the inside, you know, just a little thing in my life. You know, but what, what do I have to do there? I've got to give a deferment. That's right. I can't make her pay for something like that. You know, I'll tell you, your flesh will try to build up and try to take something so small, and it could have turned into a whole big mess, and it would not have been worth going through the rest of my day to have God sitting there smoting my heart and saying, what, you can't do that for your wife? You can't be helpful to her? Because that's what have, exactly what would have happened. You know? We got to defer things, folks. We got to let things go. We got to prefer one another. You know what I mean? Don't make people pay. Don't make that unbeliever in your, in your, in your job pay. Don't make your spouse pay if they got up and they just are acting like they got up at the wrong, you know, the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. Don't make them pay. The last thing they, you need on a potential, you know, if there's a spark in the house, don't throw a gallon of gas on it. Because that's exactly what it is, right? Oh, how many of you have ever thrown that gallon of gas? They were already just a little grumpy or just, you could tell, just already something right. And they might have just not exactly been the most pleasant to you. And you just say, what's wrong with you today? Boom! Yeah, yeah, you just... You just grabbed a whole 55-gallon barrel drum, you threw it on your shoulder, and you tossed it on the fire. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, you start you know, provoking things like, why do you say that to me? What did you say that for? And then you've got to watch those little things. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's a small spark that starts a fire. 
Amen. I'll tell you what, instead of, you know, throwing that uh, 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 fuel on the flame, so to speak, just stomp it out. Just walk away. Just, de- just defer, you know, and let the glory of God sink into you. The glory of God responds. People say, all oh, these little decisions in life, they don't matter. No, this is where the glory is won or lost. This is where people are wondering, why isn't the miraculous taking place in my life? Why, when I, when I come to church, how come, you know, the, the miracle power of God isn't just falling all over me? Well, we do that, we wonder that, but then we walk home or we go home and we, we don't live in the character of God. Aren't you glad God deferred his anger? He deferred his anger in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he decided to pass over a transgression. Amen. The glory of God. The glory of God. Let's look at another thing. Go over there to Proverbs 25. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Passes over a transgression. Some of you get so offended, you take it so personal. Well, we've all been there. We're all tempted to, to do that and act that way. But I don't know about you, but I'm after the glory of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let's look at another thing that helps the glory. Proverbs 25 and verse 2, it says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. Mm-hmm. You want the glory of God to rest in your life? You know, the question we need to ask ourselves, are we trustworthy with the things that people tell us? Are you somebody that conceals a thing? Can we bring up, you don't need to turn there, let me just give you a scripture that kind of brings us out a little bit more. Proverbs 13 and verse 11 says a tale, ooh, I'm sorry, I put the wrong verse in there. I always think that that's Proverbs 13, 11. Try 11, 13. I got to bring up this verse and I got to get it right. Is that it is? Is that the right one? Eleven thirteen. It says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. See, if you want to be faithful, if you want the glory of God to rest on your life, you're going to have to conceal the matter. You know what I mean? You're going to have to be faithful to those that you're connected to. You're going to have to uh, withhold, you know, the opportunity of spilling the beans. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Oh, yeah. You know, there's things about your, in your marriage that are sacred. There's things in, 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 uh, uh, in a work setting that sometimes that a boss may, may uh, uh, ask you to keep quiet for the sake of the company, for the sake of progress. I know this as a pastor of the church, that I'm constantly, you know, uh, requiring leaders not to uh, say certain things yet. You know, we're waiting for the fullness of time, the release of, of God's timing, and so to speak. And there's people that uh, they go out and they got to find somebody to tell. They got to tell. They got to tell. They got to tell. No, no, a talebearer revealeth, right, a matter. But he that's of a, a faithful spirit conceals it, right? You know, I'll tell you what, there's people that they just think that knowledge gives them leverage. I know something that the boss told me not to tell. Therefore, I have been given leverage over you and over every employee in the place. Oh, my goodness. Or, oh, I know something that the pastor told me that uh, I'm not supposed to tell. And they start to let people know, I know something that you don't know. Oh, you don't want to do that. Or, on the other side, there's people that they will pressure somebody 
You know, when we get the idea that somebody isn't comfortable with sharing information, we should just let it go. You know, oh, what, what did you and Pastor talk about? Oh, you know, no, no, nothing, nothing much. When somebody shares that with you, you know that that was them saying, hey, it's nothing I can share. And when you hear something like that, it is time to lay off and not to pressure. Oh, my goodness. Oh, but what did he say? What did he say? You know, what about this? What about that? No, no, no. You need to understand. Hey, lay off. I can tell it's something that's sensitive. And your, your job isn't to pressure that information out of them because that person is trying to stay faithful. Amen. Because their loyalties lie with their leadership. Loyalty should always lie with leadership. You know, uh, something else that would fit the bill here is I've had people, they come up to me and they'll say, uh, uh, Pastor Tim, I know something that somebody is doing, somebody's saying, it's not good for the church, but they asked me not to tell anybody, so I can't tell you. I'll say, no, this is one time where you need to speak, because now you are, 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 are building loyalties with an offender, somebody that could uh, hinder the church or hurt the church. You know what I mean? And they'll, they'll talk to the pastor as if, Pastor, I know something you don't. Oh, no, 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 no. If that's where your loyalties are going to lie, we're going to have a problem. That's right. Because I have a rule in my life. There is two people that I, I assume that I will never keep a secret from them. One is my wife. Two is my pastor. Yes. Because if I know something that was going to come against the church or come against Pastor Michael, oh, yeah. and come someone on. who was committing an offense asked me not to tell... I'm not going to be loyal to their offenses. I'm not going to be loyal to their transgression. And it's not uh, a gossip if you're telling someone it can help. When you you tell somebody who's in an authority or in a position of power to make it right, right. it's not gossip. Gossip goes, you know, uh, uh, gossip goes uh, this way. It goes, you know, horizontally. You know, horizontal. But I'll tell you, vertically, you know, when I talk to Pastor Michael, if there's something that he needs to know, it's not gossip. As long as he's in the position to help the matter. That's right. Oh, my goodness. I've had people say that to me before. Oh, Pastor, I know something that you should know, but they told me not to tell. I said, oh, now you've let them pull you into disloyalty. Don't you dare. Don't you dare say that. To me as a pastor, you shouldn't say that to your boss. You shouldn't say that to your spouse. You shouldn't say that to anybody that has the right to know as a matter of safety. Amen. Amen. Oh, how people, they're, they're, more lo- they're more loyal to an offender than they are their leadership. You better make sure to get that right. We may better make sure to get that right because the glory of God doesn't rest on people like that. That's right. The glory of God doesn't rest on, on people like that. In the same matter, when you have a brother or sister in the Lord, and, and, and I mean, they have fallen, maybe they have fallen into a fault, it is not your place to go home, get on the phone, and tell 10 or 15 other Christians how, how someone else is messing up. If you really care, if you're going to walk in the love of God, if someone is telling you some gossip, the first words out of your mouth should be, oh, we need to be praying for this person. We need to pray for this person. Because ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Never forget this. The more you speak against the offenses of others, the more you talk trash about how other people mess up, you have marked yourself for the same fall. 
You have marked yourself for the same fall. How many times I've seen this as a pastor where people, you know, I'll I'll see them. Someone will fall into a fault and you'll see this person, this person, and this person. And they'll be like, I can't believe they did that. Look at them. What rotten thing they did. And within a year's time, they themselves have done something worse. They do something worse. Because when you criticize the faults of another, you have set yourself up. For the same fall. You have placed the stumbling block in your own path. See, we need to understand that. We need to understand that. A talebearer reveals secrets. Go back to Proverbs 25 2. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. A king is one is in the place of authority to know. The place of authority to know, right? So it's okay for someone who's in authority to find out the issue, right? It is okay to report to somebody who has the the, the ability to help. It's okay to report to them. But when you if you don't go up the chain, if you start going out this way, then you're sowing discord among brethren. And according to Proverbs chapter six, you are doing that which the Bible says the Lord hates. He hates. All right. It is the glory of God to conceal matter. You know, uh, Brother Hagin, he always said this, show me someone that's talking all the time, I'll show you someone that's always repenting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right? What is it over there, Proverbs ten nineteen, Where it says, he that refrains his lips is wise. He that refrains his lips is wise. Go over there, just take a look at that verse. I want to I uh, bring out that verse. I love the book of Proverbs. Amen. Constantly in the book of Proverbs. Amen. Proverbs 10 in verse 19 says this, In the multitude of words there lacks not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. Right? There's people that they're constantly talking about other people's business. That's the only thing they know how to talk about is what so-and-so is up to, what so-and-so is doing wrong, how they should do it different. I'll tell you what, there is no such thing as a secret counselor. There's no such thing as someone who's a counselor in secret. Well, I'm going to counsel you behind your back. I'm going to tell you how to live, but you're not there to hear it. Is that what you are? Are you a secret counselor to somebody? No, what you are in, you're in a multitude of words, and in a multitude of words, there lacks not sin. Like Brother Hagin said, and it goes right along with this verse, show me someone who's always talking, I'll show you someone that's always having to repent. Yes, that's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just, see, when you heard you know, the, the title of this message about the glory of God, you probably figured, oh, here we go. We're going to talk about angels. We're going to talk about you know, the realm of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about ooh, you know, the, the Spirit of seeing and knowing. And we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. No, we're talking about the simple things that we naturally can do that will cooperate with the glory of God. If someone has entrusted you with information, you have now great potential... To show your loyalty. And when you show your loyalty, the glory of God is going to come upon your life. There's things that Pastor Michael tells me and entrusts me with. There's things that Dr. Dufresne has spoken to me. There's things that the uh, people, there's things uh, between my wife and I. There's things that I have uh, between my staff and and, and things. And and they know that when they have a conversation with me, that it's not going to go into another 
another conversation with somebody. It's not going to go beyond that room. You know, uh, this gentleman, uh, Pastor Nancy Dufresne, was talking about, he was a, a, a businessman, and he was a man of high integrity, and he had a business card, and when he, he gave out his business card, uh, his slogan says, you're safe with me. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That was him saying that, hey, when we talk business, when we talk stuff, if I know things about your life, you know this, that they go no further. They're not going to show up at the coffee table down the road with somebody else. Come on, folks. That's right. Amen. You need to get a hold of this. Just real practical living here. <laughs> Some of you are wondering uh, where the power of God is. Well, I'm just telling you, this is how you walk in the power of God. Be somebody of loyalty. Be someone that leadership trusts you. I'll tell you what, you'll grow in influence. You'll grow in favor. Because you can be trusted with information that isn't going to go any further. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the third thing here. Let's see, you're over there in Proverbs 25. Go to verse 27. So the glory of God passes over transgressions, right? Conceals matters well. Not a talebearer. Does it reveal secrets, right? Now let's go over to Proverbs 25 and verse 27. Here's one that is going to be real popular. Are you ready for the holy hush? You know what the holy hush is, right? When you're, when you're preaching and it's just hitting everybody at home and all of a sudden it gets quiet. I was telling the mentoring class last night that uh, that's the sign of a good sermon. Amen. It's not how many amens you get, it's how many holy hushes you get. Yeah. Because the holy hush, when everyone's, you know, that's the sound of God dealing with men's hearts. And that's what we're after. Praise the Lord. Go to Proverbs 25 and verse 27. Look at this verse. It says, it is not good to eat much honey. (laughs) Now look what he compares it to. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. Let me explain to you what this verse is talking about. It's saying that, obviously, people that try to exalt themselves, bring glory to themselves, will receive no glory at all, right? The Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, right? right? So when you try to build yourself up, you are now uh, uh, the anti-glory, right? You're you're trying to uh, uh, boast yourself. And now he says, just like pride chases away the glory of God, so does eating too much honey or sweet things. Oh, here we go. This is what people want. Oh, the glory of God, the glory of God. But then they have a terrible eating appetite. Oh. Come on. It's, it, it's getting quiet. The holy hush is descending. The holy hush is descending. Isn't that true? Now let's make sure we put this in context. It says, it didn't say you couldn't eat anything sweet, right? right? See, there's people, they think they're spiritual because they they skip a piece of birthday cake uh, at a birthday party. And there's people that'll feel, they'll feel condemned. Oh, well, pastor's here and and, uh, it's a birthday party and I'm going to have a piece of cake. I wonder he's going to think of me. No, I'm going to have a piece of cake at a birthday party. But there's people that they live out of the candy dish all day long, Right? And they're just constantly, I mean, their appetites are unchecked. I mean, they're eating sweets, eating garbage, eating junk food. And they're wondering why they're not hearing the voice of God. Because wrong eating appetites will resist the glory of God. 
Come on now. Listen, I'm out on this limb by myself. I expect you to help me get off this limb. <laughs> and you're still not helping me. The holy hush is strong in here. Because some of you are wondering why you know, your prayer time is so sluggish. You're wondering why you set out to pray in tongues and five minutes into it. I mean, it's all that you can do to just keep going for another five minutes. I'll tell you why. It's your eating. It's yes. your eating habits. You'll, you'll, get into, I mean, you'll get into prayer. And, I mean, you thought you were there for an hour and it turned out to be ten minutes. And people wonder, well, why, what, why am I so sluggish? I'll tell you, it's because there's an overabundance of sugar in your diet. Good word. Come on. Come on. Help it's me. because you're eating trash. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. See, uh, uh, you know, not just days that I preach, but especially days that I preach. I mean, I eat very light. I had a bowl of Cheerios today and a little cup of noodles. <laughs> That's what I had. You know, and, you know, when I'm at a birthday party, I live in moderation. You know, if I'm at a special event and there's a piece of cake there or something, you know, I'm not going to get all, try to be all, you know, uh, Mr. So-and-so by, by, by skipping out on, a, you know, on a piece of cake or something. Now, if somebody, if God had spoken to me, if I was in a time of fasting or something, then I would. But you understand, there's nothing wrong with having a piece of cake here and there. But the problem is, is when people are living on trash. They're eating Skittles all day and wondering why they're not spiritual. They're eating, they're eating candy bars every day, eating dessert for every meal, and they get into church and wonder why they're having a hard time paying attention to the preaching. You know, they get up on Sunday morning, they got a stack of eight flapjacks, the thing is covered with a, a, a three cups of maple syrup, and they wonder why they're dozing off in church. They're wondering why they're, they're, they get into prayer time and, and nothing's happening. They're wondering why God's not talking to them. Oh, God's talking to you. But God has a hard time screaming through the maple syrup. You understand? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, I saw this movie called the Bee Movie. You know, it was a cartoon thing or whatever. And uh, uh, there's this one part where the main character, he jumps into his swimming pool and the swimming pool is full of honey. And his mom and dad are yelling at him, you know, get a job and all this. And he just decides to go underwater, except it was under honey. And as soon as he went under that honey, it was, you know, all of a sudden he couldn't hear the voices anymore. That's exactly what is going on. God's talking, and then there's people, they get under the honey. They get under the sugar. Dear Lord, I'll say it. Dear Lord, I'll say it. There's people that they are coming up in healing lines to try to get corrected that only a responsible diet would correct. There's people, they come forward, pastor, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Lord, I'll say it. There's people that come forward in a healing, uh, I have joint pain, I have back pain, and will you lay hands on me? I can, I can lay hands, but it's not a, ma- I can tell you why your back's hurting. I can tell you, and it's not critical, it's not to be mean, but it's not a laying on a hands issue, it's not a healing issue, it's a weight loss issue. People, they say, oh, my ankles hurt, my knees hurt, and, and all this, and, and you just want to love on them, and, and that's the, that is the no fun part of being a pastor, yeah. is when you are standing there and you know that you know, right. it's not a matter of healing, it's a matter of responsible eating. It's a matter of diet. It's a matter of health. It's a matter of just, you know, America has got this idea that we can just, you know, pound food, pound this, and, and, and put on weight, and then, you know, we go to the Pentecostal church, and the power of God is just going to fix everything. Oh, come on. 
I tell you, the holy hush is strong in here. I'm preaching real good. Lives are changing in here because this isn't to hurt anybody. This isn't to insult. There's people who say, oh, well, how can you dare say that? Look how skinny you are. Well, listen, this goes for skinny people, too. Just because you, you have a hummingbird-like metabolism and you can burn up everything, and it might not show up on your love handles every time or whatever, you still have to, you still have to take care of your body. Amen. The Bible says, let all things be done in moderation. So don't you walk out of here feeling, oh, I can never eat another piece of cake in my life. No. Just, 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 just be moderate. Just don't live on it. There's people, they, I mean, they sit by their, their, their work desk all day, and I mean, they got the Skittles flowing. The, yeah. Is that you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, man, when you started waving me down, I'm like, all right, if you're going to tell on yourself, I'll tell on you. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that's her, but whatever. If it is us, we need to, we, we need to get that corrected. Amen. It's not good to eat too much honey. Oh, come on. People are saying, oh, that, that, that's hurtful and that's not politically correct. Well, God's not politically correct. I'm not trying to be politically correct here. I'm not. I'm trying to help your life. Hey, listen, I'll be in the boat with you, okay? If you have to lose a few pounds and I have to gain some muscle. Just because there's something you got to lose, there might be something I got to gain. All right? Amen. So our eating, our eating does play a part in the glory of God. It does. It does, it does, it does, it does, it does. Amen. You will frustrate God's glory by the two things mentioned in that verse, right? Exalting yourself and wrong appetites. Never did we think that pride could be con- connected to eating junk food. Eating junk food all the time, right, can destroy you just like pride can destroy you. Your spirit can have a huge assignment on it. But if you're not careful, your flesh can disqualify that assignment, right? All right? Mm-hmm. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Let's go over to the next thing. And the final thing I'm going to share as far as the glory. How to cooperate with the glory of God. Why? Because the strengthening of our spirit man is according to the riches of God's glory. Don't disqualify your spiritual life by not passing over transgressions. By telling everybody everything that's going on about people you know. Right? By eating junk food, you can disqualify yourself just by these simple things. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to chapter 28 and verse 12. Here we go. It says, When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. Let's look at the first half of that verse. Here's the fourth thing that you can do to cooperate with God's glory. It's what we were doing earlier in this service. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. When the righteous, when a righteous man rejoices, there is great glory. Do you know that you can create an environment of glory in your home? Tonight, those of you that were shouting and praising and, and, and just jumping into the, to the, uh, the rejoicing and the, the praise and the worship, what you're doing is you're participating in creating an environment 
of glory. Amen. What was going on here? There was an, uh, an invasion of God's glory in this place. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, God's glory is waiting to respond to your response. What is it when the righteous do rejoice? God's saying, hey, when you respond to me, respond to me with joy. What are actions of joy? Well, praising, jumping, running. Hallelujah. When you you jump into joy, there is great glory. God's going to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Some of you had a need tonight, but yet you say, oh, I don't want to rejoice like that. No, your needs are met in the things that create and cooperate with the glory of God. Amen. That rejoicing, when, when God speaks to my heart, you know, and the Spirit moves me to, to, to do my funny dance. <laughs> when it's time to dance in the Holy Ghost, what do I know? When I rejoice, when I'm led by the Spirit of God, when I cooperate with that, there's greater glory. Yes. 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 Amen. God loves response. Some some of you are you're waiting for God to just you know just to you know land something good on your lap. No no no, you got to get involved. People want God to invade their life. They want God to impact their life. Well, you need to get involved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God loves response. God loves joy. The glory is attracted to it. And it's not just something that you do in this corporate setting when we're here together as a church. There's supposed to be rejoicing in your home. You can create an environment of glory in your home. If you've ever been to my home, you'll notice that most of the time, my wife and I have something either on the computer or we have something on our, our, our iPads or on a CD. We have a, a message playing, either Brother Hagen's preaching. We listen to, to, to someone preaching. We have anointed music going constantly. Why? It's not because I'm just interested in the pop culture of Christianity. I'm interested in the anointing. I'm interested in the glory of God. I want my kids living in an environment where the glory is welcome to come in and move. I'll walk around my house. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're a born-again Christian and you're riding in the car with me, every once in a while you'll hear me throw out a hallelujah. Praise God. Now, when I'm trying to win a sinner, you know, I don't drop all the church lingo on them. When you're hanging out with someone they don't know the Lord and you're trying to win them for the kingdom... And if you're always walking around saying, oh, glory to God, you know, oh, praise God, hallelujah, you know, uh, uh, the anointing, uh, I'm, you know, you start throwing out all the church lingo, all the words that they have no idea what you mean, you understand. But if you're, you're with somebody, you're, you're born again, if you're by yourself or whatever, and you're just praising God, praise you, Lord, bless his holy name, he is so good, Father, I thank you. Father, I praise you. You are so good. I'm highly loved, highly blessed, highly favored. The glory of God is attracted to that. Attracted to that. He's attracted to that rejoicing. You know, we'll take our kids. We'll listen to music. You know, we'll have uh, Timothy and Michael, you know, jumping around or, you know, just watching them be blessed. Glory to God. (laughs) Laying hands on them. Praise the Lord. An environment of glory. You can create it in your home. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. Some of you are walking around your house moping around. You know, you got the shout in church, you got the dance in church, and then you go home and you act totally different. That's why the glory isn't, isn't coming in. You're withholding it. All right. Now let's get to the faith portion of this here. That was just the introduction of the message. (laughs) 
Praise the Lord. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3. So did you get those four things that will help cooperate with the glory of God to strengthen and increase your inner man? Passing over transgressions, concealing matters, control your eating, rejoice and respond. Amen. Those are just some simple things that you can do to help cooperate with the glory of God. I'll tell you what, when it's time, you know, during praise and worship, uh, this coming Sunday, as the praise and worship team is, is doing their thing, and, and, you know, you hear Brother Tony start leading us, and, you know, when you start seeing him start getting excited, and the team starts jumping around, it would be, the Bible says it's comely and upright for the righteous to praise God, Right? When we see the worship team up here, and I mean the fire of God's just, just on them, it would be ridiculous for all of us to sit here like bumps on a log. I'll tell you what, when they're on fire, I, I, how many of you would rather, I want to be the fire, not the firewood. The fire's burning up here. I don't want to just be a bump on a log. I don't want to be in the firewood pile. I want to be in the fire. I want to be the fire. I want to participate. When I start seeing that, when he starts exhorting us, he could start exhorting us to, to praise, lift hands, take a jump, take a run, whatever it is. Hallelujah. We'll find out who the dead wood is. I'll tell you what. You know, we need to be flexible. I live, I live out in the country. And uh, there's a bunch of trees on my property and stuff like that. And I notice this, that after a windstorm, after a storm, the only wood that's on the ground is the dead wood. The only wood that broke were the brittle, non-flexible people. That's what, you know, I'm making the illustration of people. There's people the same way. They're just like that dead wood. They will not bend. They will not flex. They will not let, they will not let the life of God flow to them and through them. And they become brittle. They become religious. They become stuck in their ways. And when the storms come, guess who breaks? The people that will not respond to the life of God. They will not have the life, you know, flowing to them and through them. They become brittle and they break in the storm. But I tell you what, I'm back there in the woods, and I, we've had some strong windstorms through here. And you see those trees that are alive, and, and, and that storm's blowing. I mean, and, and they're just flexing with the storm. And they're still standing. They're still standing. They're just growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And the life that's in them, hallelujah, keeps them flexible. Stay flexible. Oh, my goodness. I came from a background that, I mean, I was very challenged by the stuff that we even saw in the beginning of this service. Running, shouting, and dancing. I mean, my background had no, none of that. I mean, none. And if you did, it was the devil in you. But they didn't believe in casting out devils, so we were really in trouble. (laughs) You know... They thought, I mean, I remember being in some, some former churches, and there, I remember that one time there was this one guy, precious man of God, just loved Jesus. And we were singing, you know, some songs or whatever, and the one guy in the church was just looking up to the Lord, and he went like this. And the whole church went, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they looked at him, and the, the fangs came out, you know, like, what's wrong with that guy? You know, what are they, a bunch of brittle people? Won't move and flex. There's people in here that, you know, if you're not careful, you'll let that criticism, you'll let that, that uh, religious mindset start to dry you up. And next thing you know, when the storm comes, 
you're going to have a hard time flexing. Come on. Don't be the dead wood. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it's better to be the fire than the dead wood, right? Glory to God. Ephesians 3 again, and we're over there in verse 16. It says that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. Well, according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Well, we learned how to do some things to cooperate with the glory of God. Real simple things. Amen. Now look at verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, how many of you know that Christ isn't just his name? How many of you know that Christ has a meaning? Hallelujah. That word Christ, it means the anointed or the anointing. You could read it this way, that the anointing will dwell in your spirits by faith. The anointing of God, the power of God, the life of God in your hearts by and through faith. Praise God. Here's something that that we're going to get to as we get ready to close, as we're fixing to close. (laughs) Fixing to close. It, It has entered my mind. Thinking about it, right? (laughs) Praise the Lord. The number outside of fear, are you ready? Besides fear. Fear is the number one inhibitor of faith. But the second greatest inhibitor of faith is the reasoning of man. The reasoning of man. All right. Fear is the number one inhibitor. The second one is the reasoning of man. If you want to destroy your faith, if you want to prevent your spiritual growth, just start living in the reasoning of your mind. The reasoning of your mind is where questions come from. God does not live in the realm of questions. He lives in the the realm of answers. You will not see places in the Word where God asks questions. Obviously, there's no question in the Bible that he doesn't already know the answer to. He might provoke somebody to faith through a question, but God himself has no questions. You understand that? Questions are never part of your answer. This is what happens a lot of times. People, they, they, they kill their faith by asking questions, why me? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen in my past? Why did I get hurt as a child? Why did my, you know, my, my earthly parent abandon me? Why did so-and-so hurt me? Why did someone do this? Why did someone do that? Now God's, you know, he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. But God never lives in the past. He lives, God never moves backward. He only moves forward. Reasoning and questions are only backward facing. God never asked you, he never said that he would give you an explanation of why you were hurt in your life. He did tell you that old things have all passed away. He did say that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions from you. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, this one thing, not that I have counted myself as to have, have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, 
pressing forward, reaching towards the prize and the high calling and the mark of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. He said, the one thing I've done, the one thing I've done is I forget the past and I don't require an explanation. I don't need to know why someone hurt you. I'll tell you why they hurt you because they had the nature of the devil in them and now you have the nature of God in you and that power greater is the one on the inside of you than he that's in the world. And that past is erased. It's gone. And God was just waiting for you to say, old things have passed away. All things have become new. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. I am complete in Him who is the head of all principality, power, and authority. I'm not wounded product. I'm not a wounded vessel. I'm not broken, busted, and disgusted. I'm new creation in Christ. And I don't need any other greater explanation to why something happened in the past. That's right. That's right. I don't need any other explanation. I don't need to know why. Right. I don't need... See, that's the failure of psychology. Psychology is to root in the mind of man to get answers from the mental arena. But what the Spirit of God is, He says, no, don't dig into the mind. Because the only thing you're going to do is you're going to resurrect trash. You're going to try to resurrect a past that I delivered you from. You're going to try to bring up a past that Christ came to destroy. You don't need, you don't need to know. I, 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 need, I just need an answer why they did that. Why, why'd they do that? And God, why? Why? Why did my parents treat me wrong? Why did my spouse leave me? Why, why, why? I got to go to the past. I, I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. And God's going to... Say, listen, old things have passed away. You're asking me to go against my word, God would say. You're asking me to resurrect something that I destroyed. That's right. All you needed to know is that you're a new creation. And that you are complete in him, according to Colossians 2.10. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality power. I don't need to know why. All I need to say is I'm complete. That's it. I'm complete. I'm whole, I'm new, I'm new every day. I'll be a new creation for the rest of eternity. Glory to God. Go over to Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. Psychology is trying to root and through, getting people. You know, you know what's a big pile of garbage? Let me tell you what a big pile of garbage is. Is this new age teaching called inner healing. Inner healing. My emotions have been so wounded. I have to have an inner healing session. And I'm going to sit down at an inner, with an inner healing technician. <laughs> and they're going to ask me 600 questions about my past to figure out why I'm so hurt. And then they will offer some religious hokey-pokey prayer. You don't need, glory to God, you don't need inner healing. When you were, were without Christ, you were broken as can be, right? He didn't mend you. He didn't repair you. He didn't put broken pieces back together. He remade you. 
he took all of that stuff. He said, I'm not going to reuse or recycle any of that. I'm going to sweep it all away. I'm going to start brand new and make you something you were never before. You aren't going to get any more healed than you are already. You aren't going to get any more whole spirit, soul, and body than you are right now. And when these garbage New Age teachings try to come up, what they're trying to do is they're basically digging into a realm that God has nothing to do with. All they are doing is finding more questions. All they're going to do is find more problems. All they're going to do is try to haul you back into your past. God says, forget your past. Move forward with me. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. You'll be my sons and my daughters. And I'll walk among you. And then what people do is they, 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 they get tied up. Why? Because that's the arena of the mind. That's not the arena of the spirit. The mind can remember the past. The mind can remember the past. But aren't you glad you don't have to live out of your mind? You're not subject to the carnal mind. Go to Hebrew, or Romans 4. Let's take a look at this. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that Christ, the anointing, dwells in your spirit by faith? The anointing, Christ, dwells in your spirit by faith. You know, why do, you know, people always have questions. Why this? Why that? Well, do you know that the first time Satan is ever quoted in the Bible, he asks a question? Right? Genesis chapter 3. Yea, did God really say you couldn't eat that apple? Or that tree or that fruit or whatever? Did he really say? First thing that the devil ever said that's recorded in the Bible was a question. Your answer isn't finding, uh, uh, your, your deal isn't to ask questions. Your deal is to find answers through God's word. God always answers. He doesn't ask. He answers. We're supposed to answer, not ask. He expects you to believe old things have passed away. Amen. Romans 4, let's go to verse 16. Hallelujah. Praise God. And let's start reading here about Abraham. It says, therefore it is of faith that it might be of grace. Talking about our salvation, our relationship with God, the promise that God's made to us. It says, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's you and me, by the way. The seed of Abraham. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is what God said to Abraham. Before him whom Abraham believed, even God, God who quickens or makes alive the dead, God called those things which be not as though they were. Hallelujah. The world says that's a lie. God says it's faith. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And now look what it says in verse 19. And Abraham being not weak in faith. Notice it's possible to be weak in faith. If you're weak in faith, you're obviously going to be weak in your spirit man. Because your spirit man is strengthened. The anointing dwells in your spirit by faith. Be not weak in faith. Abraham considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's room. So notice that if you consider your natural body, the Bible calls that weak faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. For instance, if you're believing for healing in your body, but you've got to keep checking your body to see if it showed up yet, the Bible calls that weak in faith. Abraham considered not his own body. 
He didn't look to a natural thing to tell him what is so. His body didn't tell him he was healed. His symptoms didn't tell him whether or not he was healed. The word told him he was healed. Glory to God. It's the same thing when people look at natural circumstances. They're looking at the, they're, they're, they're asking money whether or not they can obey God. Do I have enough to tithe? Well, if you do it first, you always have enough. Just tithe first, you always have enough to tithe. People are always asking money whether they can obey God. They're always asking their body whether they can believe God. They're always asking their hobbies whether or not they can obey God. Listen, money has no opinion in my life. My body has no opinion in my life. Hallelujah. My hobbies have no opinion. The Word of God trumps all of them. Hallelujah. There comes a time when we say, you know what? It doesn't matter what it feels like, what it looks like. It doesn't matter at all. It just matters what the Word of God says. Some people, they're considering all the natural circumstances. The Bible says that's weak in faith. Putting their spirit man at risk. Not growing spiritually because they're weak in faith. Because the anointing dwells in our hearts by faith. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's keep on reading here. Verse 20, it says, And Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Can we bring verse 20 up in the Amplified Bible? It says, No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question the promise of God. Questions are always doubt. Answers are always faith. People ask questions. Why is this still in my body? Doubt. Weak faith. Why hasn't my financial situation turned around yet? Doubt. Why hasn't the... uh, uh, why hasn't the symptoms, you know, uh, uh, you know, gone away? And why do I feel, still feel like this? Why is so-and-so still treating me like this? Why is it this way? Why did that happen? Why? Doubt, doubt, doubt. It's weak in faith. Yeah. All of it. That's right. Always wondering, because that line of thinking says the natural, the natural realm has greater authority. Right. That's what they're saying. They're saying, just what I see, that's what I believe. What I hear, that's what I believe. See, he had no doubting question. He had no doubting question. No doubting questions. That's right. Amen. Right? He just said, what was it going to say? But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Amen. Just think all those years he walked around. Praise God, I'm the father of many nations. Praise God, I'm the father of nations. I don't care what this whole body looks like. I'm the father of many nations. 75 years old, 80 years old, 85 years old, 90 years old, 95 years old, still walking around, growing strong in faith. His strength was building. His faith was growing. Glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'm the father of many nations. And then as he walked around and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Can you go to verse 21 in the King James? And being fully persuaded, his praise and his glory persuaded himself. And when he became fully persuaded, that's when the miracle child arrived. Some people, you're walking around and say, man, I just don't know how to operate in faith. Well, here's something simple that you can always do. Number one, just give praise and glory to God. It's always faith. It's always faith to praise God. 
another thing you can do is always thank God. Right? Can you bring up, don't turn there, but look at Colossians chapter 1. Go down there to verse, Colossians chapter 1, go to verse 10. It says, that you might walk worthy of Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience, with long suffering, with joyfulness. How many of you want to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power? Verse 12, how do you do it? Giving thanks unto the Father. If you live a life of, Father, I thank you. I thank you the blessing of the Lord makes me rich and adds no sorrow to it. I thank you that Christ, though he was very rich, he became poor for my sake, that me through his poverty would be made rich. I thank you that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. I praise you. I thank you, Lord. This bill is paid. I thank you. These symptoms are are, are destroyed. I thank you. I'm the healed of the Lord. I thank you. I'm the blessed of God. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And as, as you continue to thank and praise God, your spirit man is literally growing by faith. The anointing of God is growing on the inside of you by faith, by faith. Yes. Glory to God. I say people say, well, I don't, know how to, I don't know what to do with this faith thing. I'm not quite sure. Just simply this. Thank you, God. Thank you, my bills are paid. Thank you, my children are mighty seed upon the earth. Thank you to the generation of the upright and they're blessed. Wealth and riches, according to Psalm 112, verse 3. Wealth and riches are in their house, and their righteousness endureth forever. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Father, according to Proverbs 20 and verse 7, that a just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. I thank you, according to Proverbs 14, 26, that in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children have a place of refuge. Hallelujah. You know, you just constantly, constantly... What is that? That's just faith. That's just faith. Thank you, Lord. Whatever you're believing God for, I thank you, Lord, for a new vehicle. I thank you, Lord. When you thank God, you know you're in faith. Because when you start thanking God, it sounds as if it's already done. Isn't that right? That's what it sounds like to God. They're thanking me. That means it's like they've received it already. Right? right. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. So you're in Romans chapter 4 there. And we see that he staggered not. He had no questions. I love that about Abraham. He had no questions. He didn't ask God where, what. He was 75 years old when the promise came. Five years later, he's not asking God, where is it? Why isn't it happening? Five years later, where is it? Why isn't it happening? Another ten years later, why? Where is it? Why isn't it happening? The moment you start asking God why, you have fallen out of faith. Why me? Why the trial? Why the hardship? Why the financial difficulty? Why, why is this? Well, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that tries by, that's, though it's tried by fire, might be found under the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. means it doesn't feel joy, or if it felt like joy, you wouldn't have to count it joy. That's what he's saying, rejoice. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse trial and temptation, knowing this, that the trial of your patience, your trial of your faith worketh patience, 
And let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, entire, whole, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Glory to God. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Right? Go to Psalm 34. I'm in overtime now. I understand that. I live in overtime. Yes. Overtime is always the most exciting part of the game anyway. Yes, that's right. People saying I preach too long. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Where did I tell you to go? Psalm 34. Might as well just get your shouting shoes on. Just, just putting faith into you. Faith into you. Stop asking questions. Stop wondering where the money is. God isn't broke, and neither are you. His family isn't broke. Verse 9, Psalm 34, 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, reverence Him. That means reverence, respect, honor, praise, and glorify the Lord. Glorify Him, you His saints. For there is no lack to them that fear Him and reverence Him. There's no lack. You say, but Pastor Tim, it looks like lack. No, what do you believe? Do you believe the testimony of the world or the testimony of the Word? The Word says there's no lack to to those that reverence God. No lack. It didn't say there will be no lack. It said there is no lack right now. No lack. There's no lack right now. Well, I don't know where this is. It don't matter. God didn't say, well, I don't know where I'm going to get it. I don't know where the money's going to come from. He expected you to say there's no lack. He expected you to say there's no lack. He said, listen to this, verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Verse 12. Come ye children. Do you think God's going to let his kids go hungry? Do you think God's going to neglect his children? Do you think he's going to fail to hear the needs of his family and not meet every single one of them? He's going to meet every need. Yes. He's waiting for you to say, I am a child of God. I am fed from the, from the Father's table. I'm not a dog eating the crumbs off the floor. I have a seat. I have a place. I'm invited to the head table. Glory to God. People say, well, this is the way it looks. Who cares the way it looks? Peter said that the elements of this natural world are going to burn and melt in a flame of fire. You know, why are you so concerned about you know, that which is just going to burn up in a... I almost said it was going to burn up in a hot flash. <laughs> but then that's what I said anyway. It was good. Thank you. <laughs> you should just take verse 9 and 10 home with you. I reverence God. I live for God. There's no lack. There's no lack in my home. No lack in my family. No lack anywhere. No lack in my health. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He leads me into green pastures besides still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Glory to God. Psalm chapter 6. 
in verse 5, what does it say? Paul, uh, David, he said this. He says, for in death there's no remembrance of thee, and in the grave who shall give you praise? You know what David was saying there? He says, God, what good does it do for you if my enemies kill me? Where is God going to get his glory if you're broke and broken down and sick and if you're busted and disgusted? Where is God going to get his glory? Where's the testimony going to be to glorify his name? David said that. Psalm 6 and verse 5, I believe it is. God, what good is it going to be? What good, how are you going to receive glory if I'm defeated? How, how, are, how are we going to... If I'm in the grave and, and, and everyone saw me loving you and praising you and then I go down and, and, and get defeated, where are you going to get your glory? God receives no glory when you're defeated. That's right. He receives glory when you're fruitful. Yes. When you're fruitful. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Right? Like what Jesus said? It glorifies the Father when you bear much fruit. What verse is that? John 15, right around the ninth verse, eighth, ninth verse, seventh verse. Right? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Yes. That when people look at your life, you're filled with joy. You're filled with happiness. You're not moved by the natural circumstances. You're not considering right. your That's body. Right. Right. Why does my big toe always hurt? Why is that always a problem? Why is this? And, you know, why, 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 why? Stop asking questions. Start declaring answers. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Did you get some help here? You'll be strengthened by faith giving thanks. You'll be strengthened in faith glorifying God, right? Giving Him glory. You're asking no question. You're declaring answers. Some of you, you just need to break out. You need to break out. You need to break out into faith. There are, there are those that are here, maybe just one or two of you, that you almost get troubled by the faith message. You hear, the, you hear the faith message and there's criticisms in your mind. And I'm just, just going to tell you, that's there to steal from you. It's there to steal from you. And, and, and you're, you're having a hard time stepping over into that that place where you'll actually declare, where you'll get so bold, where you will just say, I, I cannot quit, I will not quit, I won't be defeated. You've got criticisms in your mind. They're trying to hold you back. They're trying to hold you back. Don't let the faith message, don't resist it. Don't resist it. Mm. My goodness, I can't even put to words the things that are in my spirit. Now let's just go ahead and get ready to pray and take up an offering. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you, we glorify you, we magnify your holy name, you're so good. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord. Glorify your name. We love you and praise you. Father, we're here to cooperate with your glory. We can pass over transgressions. Father, we can walk in love. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we can have the right natural appetites. 
Keep our vessel in good honor. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the glory of God. And we just praise your holy name. Father, we thank you by faith. We don't get into the reasoning of man. We're not here to ask questions. We're here to declare answers. Father, we thank you. We have no doubting questions. Thank you, Father. And we thank you that our, we receive strength by the Holy Ghost to the inward man. The anointing Christ dwells on the inside of our hearts by faith. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and glorify you. And Father, as we give, Father, we know that it comes back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Does man give into our bosom? Father, we're thank, we thank you that we know that all that we need is on earth already. Father, we thank you that you said the, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Father, we thank you that this world's wealth wasn't created for the devil and his children. But, Father, that you created the world's provision for your children, Father. So we just declare there's no lack. There's no lack to us that reverence the Lord. There is no lack. And, Father, we bless your name. And, Father, we thank you tonight. And, Father, we all say together, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All the money that I need, it comes. All the money that this church needs, it comes. All the money that my family needs, it comes. All the money that my business needs, it comes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Well, folks, we're going to just uh, take a, a short transition here. Uh, we'll probably stay for about a half hour, 45 minutes or so, and just have a time of prayer. We understand that there's people here with young children, and uh, you have to get them home or whatnot. Uh, if you can stay, recommend that you stay. Pray, 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 pray. Be in those places. Be in an environment that's conducive for the glory of God. God's watering people in their lives in the local church. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't we go ahead right now as the offering is taken up. Go ahead, just take a two or three minute uh, intermission here. Use the bathroom, get a drink, and come right back in. We're going to jump right into prayer. Amen.